Hi, I'm Lauren Hunter. And I'm Kate Vlasic. And this is Generation BSC, our bi-weekly Babysitter's Club podcast, where we are rereading our way through the book series. I think that is the quickest and most succinctly <laughs> either of us have ever described the podcast. I feel like even when we were brainstorming, it was like we couldn't even be that succinct. <laughs> no, it only took us, what, three, three and a half years? You know. Is that really that long? Uh, two and a half, three, whatever. I, I mean, time but. has no meaning over the last two and a half years. So it definitely started before COVID. So it's yes. been at least two and a half years. <laughs> yeah. Jesus. God, it really is. BC for reals, man. But we're still here, plugging away. Plugging away. There's been a whole ass series that like came out, like was announced, came out, and has gone since we started this podcast. Yeah. So that's kind of wild. That's ridiculous. But it has been so much fun revisiting these. That being said, <laughs> this book was not particularly fun because today we are talking about Mary Ann versus Logan. And as we have noted over the course of the books, our recollections of Logan have been, I don't want to say tainted, that sounds wrong and extreme, but we we had a different version of Logan that existed in our heads than what we are experiencing in the books now. Well, I think... As I was reading this book, and obviously we'll get to what this book actually is, but I was remembering there have been other Marianne books, or at least it might have been the um, Island Adventure because we got Marianne chapters and Logan was an asshole in that book. But it's been multiple times. And I think we've realized, or at least I'm remembering, and I think we talked about it, that what we're remembering from when we were kids is like all of the other babysitters talk about how great Marion and Logan are and how great Logan is and how he's the best boyfriend. And so we internalized that message and sort of mm -hmm. forgot that he was terrible. <laughs> you're exactly right. That is the conversation we had. And what I'm realizing, too, is as you were saying that, I don't think we, we articulated this last time or maybe we did. But I think part of the problem is you're right. It's only actually been a couple of books where mm -hmm. Logan has actually had been a character right. that we've engaged with, but we hear about him every time as part of the introductions that everybody does. So it's the same way they reinforce, you know, Jesse and Mallory are horse girls. Well, <laughs> right. we, we have not heard Jesse or Mallory talk about horses. Or it, seen them around literally any horse. But yet every, that's so indelibly the image mm -hmm. I have of them because that is what was, is reiterated right. nearly every time. And, and Logan's descriptor is... He's Southern, he looks like Cam Geary, and he's the best boyfriend in the entire world. Exactly. Like, uh, so um, as we have been coming to find out, that was not strictly true, at least from our grown 2022 20, eyes. I was about to say 2020. Seriously, time has lost all meaning. <laughs> it, 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 it is what it is. We're just used to it now. <laughs> Fair. So we'd sort of been talking about this. We knew this was coming, mm -hmm. that this is the big breakup book. So let's, without further ado remind you exactly what this book is so that we can jump into our conversation. Because as you probably guessed, this was not one of our favorites. <laughs> Lately, Marianne's been feeling like she and Logan are spending too much time together. They fight over silly things. And Marianne never gets to do what she wants, like read and babysit and be with her friends. But when Marianne suggests that she and Logan see less of each other, Logan takes it all the wrong way. Could this really be the end of Marianne and Logan? I mean, temporarily. Right, right. As we've discussed, it's it's not a, a long separation for these two. It, yeah, I, I mean, less than ten books is, I think, what yeah. we what we just determined. So this was released in February nineteen ninety one. 
actually Anne M. Martin. We are like in our last mm-hmm. couple. Of, we're, it's going to be like Anne and then a couple of ghostwriters and then Anne again and then a couple of ghostwriters. And she's, she's. I think we're looking, we're, we're definitely speaking of less than 10. I think we're pretty mm-hmm. much less than 10 actually Anne's left. So this is, this is where things are going to start to get interesting. Yeah. I do find it a little bit interesting that she chose to do the Logan and Marianne breakup book. I haven't checked. I, I can't remember if she is in the get back together or if, if that is past if she has any of those around that. right so I'd be yeah curious I'm, to know I'm if that sure. was like a, a her conversation we'll save that for when we actually get to it let's <laughs> right. focus on the breakup for now exactly so why don't you remind us how we did break up because okay. <laughs> from my perspective there wasn't a lot of there there in in terms of plot for this book so i'm curious to see how uh, how this all comes together yeah you are not wrong that it's a very it's one of those books where it's like here's the story there's one b plot that's sort of related we'll get into it and and even with the main plot, like, nothing really happens. It's more like internal Marianne's mm-hmm. thoughts. Like, it's not like events are happening right. all over the place the way that's typical for them. And I, I guess now that I say that, I kind of like that aspect of it. Mm-hmm. But what she's ruminating on is less than thrilling. <laughs> right. It could be on a better topic. Okay. Exactly. So let's let's do the description so we can dive into our conversation. Okay. So the Marianne-specific plot. Logan is in rare form, or is it typical form, immediately at the start <laughs> of the book, demanding that Marianne send Dawn to babysit for Jenny Prezioso so they can go to the movies, and then demanding that they do dinner and a movie the next night when she refuses, where he then orders for her without even considering what she might want to eat. <sighs> Showing up unannounced to interrupt Marianne's quiet afternoon reading by the fire to drag her to the park for winter activities and not listening when she says she's ready to go home because she's freezing. Eventually, Marianne stands up for herself and says they need to cool things down for a little while. Logan cools things down completely and basically stops talking to her until he plans a Valentine's Day surprise at his house where she thinks that she'll be babysitting for his siblings while he showers her with gifts and attention and doesn't see how uncomfortable and unhappy she is. Marion ultimately does some reflecting and soul searching and comes to realize that loving someone, family or otherwise, always seems to lead to an understanding of that person. While she is understanding of Logan's needs and wants, he is never understanding of hers. She ends the book with a difficult conversation where she breaks up with him. And then the Babysitter's Club plot, generally. Mrs. Prezioso is due to give birth any day now, so all the girls are very into it, as usual. Only Marion and Dawn know what they're having, but none of the girls want to know. They want to be surprised. There are several babysitting jobs for Jenny where we come to find out that she is being bribed with lots of gifts and treats by her parents to not be upset that she will soon have a sibling. She knows what they're doing, and she's not having it at all. She doesn't want to have to share her parents with anyone and or not be the center of attention at all times, and she doesn't want a sibling. She has some heart-to-hearts with Marion and Mallory and seems to learn things, but then immediately forget them. Ultimately, as soon as she sees her new sister, Andrea, she's completely in love and very excited about being a big sister to her. The girls also support Marianne as best they can, but virtually all of their quote-unquote love experience has been while on vacations and school trips where separating is an inevitability, so Marianne has to focus on how she feels and figure it out for herself. Yeah. Oh, gosh. I mean, the thing is, and I'm I'm sure we'll get into this as part of our our big discussion because there's definitely stuff that we we need to discuss around logan and and that uh for me honestly it's less logan that i want to get into Mm -hmm. and more about like how marianne is is approaching it because that's far more interesting to me i think for me the biggest disconnect is i think more than any book that we've had so far this is the one that i think 
I feel my age the most mm-hmm. in, in that, like, this is clearly not for me. And, and I couldn't even like engage in some of the, the, the fun parts of it because it wasn't fun. And, right. and it's, I'm, I don't know. I mean, we've had other, you know, not fun main plots before, like divorce and <laughs> no racism. Right. Treating autistic children terribly. Uh, life and death situations right. on a deserted island. I mean. Right. You know, normal stuff that you come across as a 13-year-old girl in uh, Stony Brook, Connecticut. Right. I mean, just, just normal life stuff. And uh, I think that this was because how we – like. Maybe it's because, like, processing a death or a divorce or, like, yeah, it's going to be slightly different depending on your age, but, like, it, it, the impact is is roughly the same. Mm-hmm. But I can't think of a different type of, of topic that we've had so far where my relationship to the relationships is is so vastly different. Right. Because how I th- how we think about love and relationships and, and friendships and is – well, not even – not friendships. Leave that part mm-hmm. off. But, like – because that's not even true. But how we think about relationships has absolutely, I mean, a million times right. changed over the last, you know, 30 years. So that's that's extreme. 20-some. <laughs> <laughs> the last couple of decades. We'll just call it that yeah. and be general. So I think that that was the hardest thing for me with this one. And, and, and honestly, I'm kind of bored of talking about incel logan like we we've had that conversation yeah. like he's not showing any new sides of himself here well but i mean there's a couple of things he he did do that i the, that rage inducing. i think the way that he's terrible on this like the specific instances are different than in the past but like they're all cut from the same cloth and seeing yes. marianne in the same way and treating their relationship in the same way so yeah i i think yeah i totally agree with what you're saying like logan is still a piece of shit in the ways that he always has he's just doing it in new and different ways yeah, and and literally ordering for someone like that is my number one like nope out. That's the biggest red flag yeah. in the entire world. Like the level of control that that. Well, and we just had that in Don and the Older Boy. Exactly. Like, exactly. Why? I mean, we've already taught readers of these books that that's bad. You you sh- mm. you're allowed to feel badly if someone does that to you. And now we're getting it again. And I, maybe that's like a foreshadowing. Like, oh, now Logan's doing what whatever that kid's name was. Shane yeah. Taylor, I don't know. That guy Whatever. sucked. Logan sucks. So I guess maybe that was the thing is like sort of laying that ground where like Logan's doing the exact same thing we found out was terrible a few books ago. So That's true. maybe I hate the concept less, but Logan still sucks for doing it. Yeah, it's just it's one of those things like and I don't want to say that you, no one can ever order for someone else cuz that can be sweet if you're like at a crowded bar and your friend or your partner gets up there first and they know what you drink right. and so they order one for you. Like, even if that's not what I was going to order at the moment, I appreciate that gesture because it's it's doing me a service. Right. Taking away my choice at a at a without any prior conversation about it in a dining experience like that, you don't fuck yeah. with my food. <laughs> well, and especially the thing that I hated most about that scene, because obviously we're getting Marianne narrating it, her reaction to that was like, I'm upset, but I do sometimes get a Coke and a hamburger. So, you know, it's not like that was still early enough in this plot that she was sort of like excusing his actions. And like, that's what broke my heart more. It's like Logan's being a piece of shit again. But Marianne being like, well, you know, I do usually get a a cheeseburger and a Coke. And so that he just expected that's what I was going to get today. So it's fine. And it's like, well, no. 
Because yeah. the, the situation you just described, like, you know, if I'm, like, running super late and I'm like, oh, just get me whatever, you know, before I'm meeting you for dinner or something, I'm like, We've done that just order times. or, like, yeah. get me a glass of wine. I don't have to say, like, get me this specific glass of wine or, like, or, like, tonight I want Prosecco or tonight I want Sauvignon Blanc or I want Rosé or whatever. I just say, like, oh, give me a glass of wine. I'll be there soon. And, like, then when I show up, there's a glass of whatever. And I know that whatever you pick, I'm going to like. And if I want to change later, I will. But I'm still going to drink the glass of wine that you ordered for me. But I'm also not going to go when the waiter comes back around and says, right. oh, you're here now. Can you get a drink? I will go, no, no. She wants to continue to drink this. Right. Like, uh, there's a there's a way to do it in, in a helpful way. Or even, even if your partner – or you are the person who feels uncomfortable in some way or has anxiety or yeah. is, is not it doesn't like to talk to people and then and then your partner is doing that as a caring thing that's totally different right. like i just want to be really clear about that because yeah there's definitely situations that it's appropriate and helpful and appreciated yeah exactly because i don't want to say that like I, I said that was one of my biggest red flags. It's not the ordering for someone right. else as a red flag. It's the ordering in a way that takes away your agency. Right. And and I agree. And it, it and it was early enough. And actually, I kind of think I might be tucking myself into liking this book a little bit more <laughs> than I thought I did. Yeah. Which is ironic because we usually go the other way around. I think it's happened a few times. Although usually it's not – usually one of us likes it and the other doesn't. And the one that likes it ends up getting the other one to come back around. That's true. But – that's true. You're t- you're doing it to yourself this time because I haven't a little bit. <laughs> I haven't been trying too hard. Fair. It's more that I've got so hung up in the Logan of mm-hmm. it in the first read through that now that we're actually talking about it and we're going, he's not the right. Important it's part. irrelevant. Like, it's, it's helping. I agree. I think actually that I like the fact that Marianne started in that kind of passive place so that. The, the impact of her growth mm-hmm. is a lot more because she really does grow a ton in this book. Right. And and I think maybe, not maybe, I absolutely know that a big part of my, like, fatigue with this one is exactly where we are in history right now. Like, we are, we're not recording super ahead any these days. <laughs> we, got, we got a little bit behind post-vacation. So we're still, you know, in the month and half aftermath of the overturning of Roe v. Wade. And while I love individual men, (laughs) men as a, (laughs) the male of the species, as it were, I'm not so super fond of at the moment. And, and it, it like, especially this kind of dude, because Logan is growing up to be the man that is actively working Mm -hmm. to take away my rights. Like there is no doubt in my mind about that, that, you know, he is going to, especially growing up when and where he is. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, I I just felt weary of it, bored of it, just Yeah. What you were it. just saying really reminded me. So one of the podcasts I listen to is You Are Good. It's um Sarah Marshall from You're Wrong About and her longtime yeah. friend Alex Steed. They talk about movies. It used to be called Why Are Dads, but they realized it was more than just a movie or a podcast about movies about dads. It's more about life and feelings. It's a it's a feelings podcast about movies is what they say. But one thing that he's said in a couple of recent episodes is like from his perspective, he, you know, he's telling a story about his life as like a teenager. And it was like most, you know, cis white, you know, middle class boys 
as they're growing up, there has to be something that happens that stops them from turning into the type of person that supports Donald Trump that would go to January 6th, all of those types of things. Like, there has to be, you know, like, they're all on that track unless something stops it, which is, like, terrifying, but so, so smart. And, like, I was in my car and I was just like, holy shit, that is so accurate. Like, if if you don't have someone in your life that's going to get you off that path, you are completely fucked. And that's just who you are. It's insane. That you just blew my mind that I've never put it in that context before, but that you're exactly that's and that's not entirely fair. I we, we will say there's always the exception that proves the rule. There are definitely people who are capable of just, you know, critical thought, this you know, mm-hmm. and and, right. and getting themselves out of that. But I, I agree that the for the vast majority that that's the norm rather than the uh right the exception is that it just continues on to that right that's just how society is set up and unless you think about it yourself it's just that's just where you go which is terrible and i because i I sort of stopped myself because i was about to say you were going to continue into that radicalization but if it's the norm it's not radicalization that's why it's so terrifying That's terrifying. Fuck me. Okay, getting away from that. Because <laughs> right. The point is, that is one. That was the baggage I was bringing into the Logan stuff, especially after we've had that mm-hmm. conversation. Like it was fun the first couple of times when we we're like, "Oh wow, did we realize Logan sucks?" Right. Logan sucks. Then it just got to be, "Well, Logan fucking sucks." Right. This is just who he is now, and always has been. <laughs> right. And and then in this book, I mean, obviously knowing it was the breakup book, it wasn't like he was going to magically get better right. and then they were going to break up. But like. The ways he was awful, not only the dinner thing, which was bad enough, but the the fucking presumption around the Valentine's Day dinner was just mind-blowing. That Marianne had asked for this break in the space. He fucking froze her out hard mm-hmm. to the point where she's like – and she was very clear. This is not – at the beginning conversation, it's not a breakup. We right. just need – I just need a little Spend bit of Spend a little time less time space. together constantly. Oh, yeah. Like just not be together all the time. Yeah, not every single day, not like whatever, like have lunch with the boys. And and again, I'll come, we'll come back to the Marianne of it all. Let's, let's get Logan out of the way completely because I really am realizing how much more I'm liking Marianne's trajectory as I'm thinking of it in context. But the point is, freezes her out so fucking hard to the point where she's become super insecure and like, uh, what the hell is happening here? Mm -hmm. And then no conversation, no nothing. And he like, purposely sets it up in a way that that he knows is going to trick her and she's so sensitive like and hurt her not just trick her hurt her <laughs> to be clear like this is dawn level but poor, poor marianne just gets i it, know like, it's terrible uh, so what he does and and i want to check this because i was so i'm like am i reading this correctly because he calls the babysitter's club mm-hmm. And tells Marianne that he has a date and needs her to babysit Carrie because his parents are going to be out. He doesn't specifically say – he says – so he calls the babysitter's club. It's like Christy or someone else answers. And and he tells them that he he specifically needs Marianne. But he says, because my parents are going to be out and now so am I. So he doesn't specifically say that he has a date. But it's Valentine's Day and he says he has plans. So, of course, she's going to assume the worst. And while he doesn't specifically say I have a date, he makes it seem like he has a date to hurt her and trick her. Right, because at 13, if you have plans and it's not watching your siblings on Valentine's Day, they're not going out with the boys. Like, it's not boys' night. And 
So okay, that makes that makes more sense because I was like, I'm I'm like I have date. He's he tell you like he tells her he has a date underlined in my notes like 17 times, and I was like, I, that doesn't seem right. But I that is exactly how I read it still as a 38 year old, 37 year old. <laughs> Jesus Christ, don't age myself. As a 37 year old, I still read that as you know I have plans. I immediately uh, slotted that in as mm-hmm. date. So of course, at well, 13, and that's the the place that Marianne jumps to she's like imagining Mm -hmm. this whole like relationship with this new beautiful amazing girl that has long blonde hair and her name's Olivia and she's like created this whole like story of Logan and Olivia and so I mean I don't blame her for jumping to date I don't blame you for jumping to date I certainly thought date you know like that that was the point he didn't specifically say date but there's no other place for your mind to go if someone says I have plans on Valentine's Day it's kind of the same thing as people who love pranks. Like, I just don't understand, like, why, like, not, and not, like, fun, harmless pranks. Right. But, like, the kind of mean pranks where you're, like, shoving somebody's face in a cake or, you know, like, Greg popping out at me around the corner and scaring the shit out of me because he knows how easily I startle. Fine. Fun. He knows I laugh at that. Right. If I had, if I had ever once been, like, cut it the fuck out, that's not okay, he would have never done right. it again. Like, it's... Big Brother razzing is is only fun if you're both laughing. Like so, I, I I just don't understand that that prank culture. And this to me very much felt like that, mm-hmm. like mean spirited. And then when you find out it was just a prank, that's supposed to be what's funny, like the relief that it's not as bad as you think. Like, what did he think? I I mean, obviously not thinking at all, but just right. like. She's supposed so anyway, he she thinks it's a date, she gets to the house and it turns out he surprised her with this big romantic dinner, like you said. At that point, I'm she's standing there, so she literally you're right. She had so gone so far into Olivia fantasy. I can't remember if it was there or with the babysitters. At one point she's like, Isn't this for Olivia? Or like, wait, where's Olivia? Or yeah, and she like, said it at the Olivia? At, as she was leaving the babysitters club meeting that day before she was going to Logan's house. It was oh, like that's right. oh, I'm to go, you know, get over there so Logan can go on his date with Olivia. And they were all like, Who's Olivia? And she would like ran out of the room, like oh, it's nobody or something. And they were like, "Did she say it's her cousin?" <laughs> like, yeah, like Mallory's what? trying to like figure out what she even said. That's too funny. I, I mean, that is, I feel you there, Marianne. I don't overly relate to Marianne in very many ways, very often, but that, yeah, totally feel you, lady. Um, that and your Broadway obsession—that's where we converge. So I just don't understand that mean spiritedness and it just shows especially for someone that sensitive like logan if he knew her at all would know that marianne is not going to be able to appreciate being relieved that he's not out with someone else right that i don't know like i get that he wanted to surprise her but there are ways to do that without making her feel like shit right. there are plenty of ways and- he could have done that he could have said he had another babysitting job or something or he was sick and couldn't. Right. And he needed to stay in his room, and and they needed to watch whatever. Like it just. Uh, anyway, I, I'm I'm done with him. He just he sucks. Yeah. He it's like, it's incel baby Patrick Bateman vibes. I mean that's extreme, <laughs> but not. not it's not terribly. great though. Regardless, it's, it's just not great. not great. It's it's not it's but, not just not great. It's actively bad. But that yeah we right. Let's not dwell on the terribleness that is Logan any further. <laughs> and let's instead talk about. Marianne's trajectory because as we were talking through Logan's Mm -hmm. shittiness I'm realizing that I actually I think that again bringing my baggage in with all the Logan stuff and and going back to where I was saying that I I didn't really respond to this one because I'm so far removed from the relationship like 
drama of that. And, and not that I was ever that girl to begin with, but I'm realizing that I am really glad that there is this kind of story for a young person mm-hmm. to read that, that she is going, moving from a place of, I don't like this, but like trying to rationalize it as, as much as it does break your heart. It makes it that much better when she gets to the end and she realizes that he's essentially doing the same thing by telling them they're getting back together, even though she was the one who asked for space, right? Not back together, but he was the one to like end that space, even though she was the one to ask for it, that she realized that he, I I like the message that she broke up with him because he kept overstepping what she wanted and needed. And, and that's, I, that is fabulous messaging as a Danny Tanner moment. I I could not be more thrilled. Mm -hmm. And I'm just disappointed that it came in a book that for me was so frustrating otherwise because of all the Logan bullshit. Yeah. If that makes sense. No, I agree. I think the messaging in this one really did make up for the frustration around Logan. I mean, like we've said, we had to have the Logan stuff because as you pointed out, we couldn't have him be like a better version of himself and have Marianne break up with him because I'm sure they could come up with a story around that. But like, we've already laid the trajectory for Logan being terrible. So, but I really loved, so like, one of the things I pulled out, I didn't take that many notes on this one because I think you said the same thing before we recorded. There just wasn't – there's not a lot of there. There, A lot of this is really Marianne sort of figuring things out for herself. But one of the things I really loved was as Marianne is sort of figuring out that maybe she doesn't want to spend as much time with Logan, she has a really nice conversation with Richard where he sort of points out – he's not trying to like – make her do anything, but he's just sort of like, hey, you know, you seem kind of down lately. You've been spending a lot of time with Logan. I don't know if something's going on, but like, you got to see on your last English test, like, is everything okay? Are you feeling okay? Like, what's going on? And she's just sort of like, yeah, I'm okay. But it starts her thinking. And then she goes and talks to Dawn. And, you know, she's talking about how she, like, Logan is making her feel bad. And and she feels like he's taking a part of her. And Dawn points out, like, is he taking a piece of you or are you letting him take a piece of you? And Mary, that makes Marianne think. And it's she realizes, like, I'm letting him do this. And that sort of puts her on the trajectory the next day. To, or even that night, I think she right after she talks to Don, she's like, I got to call Logan. I got to put a put a pin in this, cool it down, not break up. Because she really starts to think about what she needs rather than being like, I'm part of this relationship. My friends all think it's so great that I have this boyfriend. I'm just going to continue doing this because I like the way that it feels to have a boyfriend and say I have a boyfriend and not really think about, do you actually like how you feel when you're around that person? And I think that that's just such a really great thing for kids or anyone that might be reading this book to realize like, yes, you might feel like you need a boyfriend, a girlfriend, a partner, I guess partner's a little strong for 13-year-olds, but you know, someone to be in a relationship with, whoever that person might be. Sometimes I think at that age, and I know I was this way, it was not necessarily wanting a certain person, but it was like, oh, it would be so great if I had a, a boyfriend, you know? And it was the concept of boyfriend. Right, exactly. It wasn't. Yeah. Exactly. And I feel like reading these books, and I think that's part of what we've talked about is like all of the babysitters, when they're describing Marianne, it's always Marianne has this great boyfriend, Logan, and everything's so great. And like, it really is helpful to have this book to realize like, yes, it's very nice for Marianne that she's the romantic one and she has a boyfriend, but she needs to think about if this is the right situation for her. Does she even enjoy spending time with him anymore? And like, even if Logan wasn't a piece of shit, like he is in this book, like you can still come to that place and realize like, 
I used to have a lot of fun with this person and I don't dislike them, but maybe I need to have a different type of relationship with them. Maybe we should just be friends. And like, no one wants to have that conversation, even at 13. It might be a little easier at 13, but like. Oh, no, I think it was harder at 13, honestly, because yeah. by, by approaching 40, we've all had that conversation and been had that conversation. Right. Or not all, I should say, but most of us have been on either side of that conversation maybe even not even romantically, but have had those like, we're at 13 when you haven't before. Like I, I vividly That's remember. That's true. Everything's very serious. <laughs> and like the first boy that asked me out that I was not interested in and saying no felt like such like, how do I do this and let him down gently? And now I'm like, no, I'm good. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, that's a good point. But I think it is however difficult that conversation might be for a 13 year old. I think it's very important that the messaging of someone who might read this book will get what, how you feel is important. How the other person feels is important, but they don't their their happiness or their feelings don't get to trump your feelings, and yours don't get to trump theirs either. But like, if you're not happy in a relationship, you don't have to be in that relationship. I, that's so interesting because I've been doing a lot of relationship work myself in therapy recently, and figuring out my or try, attempting, I should say, to try to figure out some of my shit, and and some of the things that that you were saying were really resonating and and more just things that I've been ruminating about relationships in general, but like the idea that I hate this concept of a failed relationship. I don't care mm -hmm. if it was short or long relationships failing. I mean, I, I, I can, I can concede that there are, there are relationships that, that do look like right. <laughs> failures, but not every uh, relationship yeah. that has ended is a failure. Correct. And not only that, but one of the things that is, um, you know, looking at like Reddit relationship blogs or like um, enjoying the schadenfreude of, of uh, just no mother-in-law, like <laughs> that kind of stuff. Something that gets repeated often that it's, it shocked me how revolutionary it seemed to people was you can end a relationship for any reason that you want and not being happy is the single most valid reason. Mm -hmm. You don't, they don't have to have done anything wrong. Right. They don't have to be a bad person. If you are not happy, that is a, the most valid reason right. to say this is situation isn't working for me. And, and something that you said, th this is where, where that, like, I, that wasn't something I learned. That was just such a, like, that's sad that so many people are, are shocked by this. Yeah. But what, what hit me about what you were saying and what I was processing or attempting to process is that you can love someone and, and love who they are and, and, and even being romantically in love with them and still not want to be in a relationship with mm -hmm. them. For whatever reason, whether it's the right time for you or they don't have their shit together or – Or they want kids and you don't. Or the relationship doesn't make you happy. Mm -hmm. You can love that person right. and, and have them be your favorite person in the entire world and just not be happy. And and I, I, I think that I well, now I'm, I'm – as much as I've sort of talked my way around to really loving this Marianne storyline – I'm I'm now kind of sad because I'm just realizing especially how incredible this episode would be if we got the Netflix team and a 2022 perspective of this story. Mm -hmm. It would be so much more focused on Marianne. Yep. We would not be talking about how much Logan sucks. It would be it, it would the emphasis would be on coming into your own. The fact that you can love someone and just want to right. want it to be okay. The fact that giving away pieces of yourself and learning to keep them like they're so it's, we've, we've said a couple of times out there, there's no there there. There's so much there there that we just don't get into that. Now, I, I wish 
there was a more modern perspective mm-hmm. because I think we would have gotten more of an emphasis on her right. coming into her own rather than the more superficial. And I, I think a perfect sort of encapsulation of of that is, especially reading it now as an adult, one of the the side plots is it was mainly Jenny Jenny Prezioso, but they did go to Christie's a couple of times mm-hmm. and check in with with them. And there was a whole there was it was very minor. It was it was like maybe ten lines of the whole book, but they mentioned that Karen had a boyfriend and they were fighting. And it was it was like it was very clearly there to contrast the like fake Karen drama versus Marianne's real relationship mm. drama, but it landed in an entirely different way on me because to me. And us, I, and presumably most other adult readers, you know, Marianne's relationship drama feels just as contrived <laughs> right. and silly and overblown as as, as Karen's. And I, I have to feel like, and that was intentional, obviously, right. knowing that parents were going to be reading this with their kids, even if they weren't the intended audience. But it it did just make me think about how this this breakup and Marianne's Marianne's processing of it and Marianne's decision making could have been treated much more seriously and instead of like a oh just you know look weren't we all silly at 13 which which yes mm-hmm. and i didn't feel silly at 13 right i i felt serious and i the thing that is one of the many things that's kind of baffling me about this one or or, or was i should say when i was reading it we're processing it all now i'm getting unbaffled but one of the things that really was kind of blowing my mind was I vividly remember, I didn't remember the plot at all, but I vividly remember them breaking up. And I know I've mentioned a couple of times, I was devastated by it. I did not want it to happen. And I, I, I now when I was reading it, I was like, oh, I think I didn't really remember the plot because I couldn't bring myself to read it again. Because oh, they, yeah. It, it's, it was so sad for me and I couldn't wait for them to get back together. And I was like rooting for that, for that to happen so hard. And I'm like, what the hell was I thinking? Like, what was I reading? Like, what, what was, where was I mm-hmm. in my processing of things now granted i wasn't 13 right. when i was reading it but i mean problematic faves has been we, we've discussed my love of problematic faves i, I, I kind of you can see kind of a genesis of it here mm-hmm. which is kind of terrifying to think about <laughs> but i know you, you had mentioned that you didn't think you had read much past other than a couple of the super specials do you remember this plot line at all do you remember how how you thought about it as a kid I so I remember knowing that they broke up, but I I mean, I honestly don't think that I read that many more. And so I don't think that it really stuck me or struck me or stuck with me in any real way. Like, objectively, I knew that it happened. But I think that I was already to the point where I was sort of like, oh, that's interesting. But I I don't think I was ever as invested in Marianne and Logan as a couple, you know, because it was yeah. always just sort of like. Oh yeah, there's Logan. That's Marianne's boyfriend. They're so in love, you know. Like it just never really like hit me the same way. I don't think. You know what's interesting is that I'm realizing that I, I mean, still, but like I love, love. I'm I'm a hopeless romantic in very many ways, but they're all fictional. <laughs> and like I'm not that way about for myself or like in my relationships or how I feel about others. But like watching that and like. I get very, very invested in fictional relationships of, you know, movies, television, books, whatever, in and and want sappiness and I don't know, like that fairy tale happily ever after mm-hmm. in a way that has never appealed to me in my real life. And um 
that's fascinating. I have a whole new conversation for therapy to have now. <laughs> Thanks, Anne. So many lessons to be learned, even as adults. But yeah, like I, I think that's for me the hardest thing with this one is that that there isn't a lesson to learn for me here. We, right. we know this, and and it's not. I don't know. I don't know why I'm having trouble articulating why it feels so different than some of the other lessons that we obviously know already. And, and we like, we're excited about having that, that representation and that Danny Tanner moment of how well it went. And even as, I mean, you specifically called out that was, I think this is Richard's book, Richard's best moment mm-hmm. to date by far. He was great. I mean, I loved at the end of that conversation, uh, Marianne was like, I think you might be right. And he like, right. like what? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm right. Me? Like, and I like, Like, I'm your father and I'm right as a, to a 13. And like, that just, it was, I loved that. That was Mm -hmm. such a great moment. And, and, um, so I'm, I I don't really know why other than where we are right now in the world and how I'm feeling overall. And maybe that's just it. Maybe it's just bad timing that we hit this when we did, because I really do enjoy the Marianne aspects Mm -hmm. of this when I got too hung up in the Logan in the reading. And I, that's what I was about to say. I think that's the issue is that it's too easy to be caught up in, well, Logan is being terrible to Marianne. So of course they have to break up as opposed to what we've been talking about. And even if he wasn't terrible, if she's not happy, then she needs to come to that realization. I think, I think that's ultimately what the problem is, is because there are so many opportunities to focus on Logan. And I think the story focuses more. It's, I mean, it's like you were saying, if the, the show, you know, if if the Netflix show was still around and able to do this story, it would be handled in a much different way. And Logan would be a much different character. He already was a much different Mm -hmm. character that we saw on the show. And I mean, even our girls are very, not very different, but different to a certain degree. And I think that, the Marianne that we had on the show and the Logan that we had on the show. I mean, we already had, I can't remember what episode it was, but in the second season, like, you know, they got all caught up in boyfriend, girlfriend labels and realized Mm -hmm. like, we're just going to be us, you know? So I think we started to get in the show a feeling of like, they're figuring their stuff out as they grow up, as they, you know, learn about each other and themselves. And maybe eventually Marianne would realize like, I'm just not feeling it, you know? And, it is what it is. And maybe Logan would be upset about it. Maybe he would be like, I understand, you know, but we would get to see it a better story. I think if it wasn't so focused on Marianne has to break up with Logan because he's so terrible. You're exactly right. I think you just hit the nail on the head for me. It's that Logan is so extremely terrible. Breaking up with him is the only choice. It's the obvious one. Marianne's journey loses its impact for us as an adult because she should have broken up with him from the very beginning. Whereas if they had kept him more, you know, maybe overbearing and like trying too hard, but to dial it down like five to right. seven notches, where it's just that like he's always planning the date or right. it's always or he's just turn. always around, you know, like maybe she just doesn't yes. want to spend as much time with him and he just won't accept that. You know, like it could be a degree of what happens here, but it doesn't have to be. He's ordering for her. He's, you know, insisting she skip babysitting to hang out with him. Mm-hmm. He's taking her yes. to the park and forcing her to stay outside despite her repeated statements that she's cold and she wants to go back inside. Like, he doesn't have to be a monster for her to realize, like, yeah, this isn't the best fit for me anymore. Yeah. And and that would 
that would make the breakup more meaningful. Mm -hmm. That would make the message more powerful. It would make the inevitable getting back together that much better because yeah, like now I'm not, I'm not rooting for them to get back together. Like I'm rooting for them to stay the fuck apart. Like, and it's funny as we're, as you were saying that I realized how many times we saw that trope play out in our teen shows over the years where they tried to break up couples because well, or even not any shows really, like because you can't keep the happy couple together for whatever reason. God forbid. Right. It's easier to write a story when there's drama. A happy relationship is hard to be dramatic. Uh, but there are so many. Well, whatever. That's a whole other. We, speaking of, I I, I uh, very much relate to the um, I'm good pod or what is it called? We're good or are you? You good are or, good. You are good. I relate to the feelings podcast that talks about movies because we're we're <laughs> we venture into that territory. <laughs> yep. <laughs> as right now. But I think that that is something that we saw play out a lot, especially in the 90s, where they would like, have to create false drama in Mm -hmm. order to break them up. They couldn't because you needed to be able to get them back together at some point. So it had to be something fake. So it either felt unrealistic and like groan worthy, or they overcorrected and made the the, the one or two of them so terrible that you're like, why the fuck would you ever get back together? Ross and Rachel is a perfect example. Like the, the... the things that kept them apart were either bullshit contrivances or they both of them became actual human monsters in various mm-hmm. times in order to justify them not being together. But then all that does is make you not want to see them get back together. Right. And what I have come to appreciate so much more as an adult, and I don't know if if this is an adult perspective or a 2022 perspective, but it's my favorite love stories now. Uh, I mean – well, I, I'm an enemies to lovers person. You don't even need anybody else. That's just yeah. fine. But when it is like a love triangle, I appreciate the love triangles where nobody's a bad guy, where it's not a very obvious binary right. choice. Like this person's shit. Here's the good guy. Here's the bad guy. You obviously need to choose this one. And interestingly enough, I don't know why I remember this, but I, I do, that Sweet Home Alabama was the first mm-hmm. time that that really, I really saw that trope and it really clicked for me. And there was, I was like, wow. There is no bad guy. Yeah. Like Patrick Dempsey wasn't a shit person that she obviously had to ditch to go back to her real life. Like there was a real choice there. And that movie genuinely could have ended mm-hmm. happily in either direction. And, and that was made it so much more powerful to me. Even I, I, in any case, it's funny that that, you know, the things that it triggers, but that's what I appreciate more. And I feel like that's more what the show would do now because that is the more modern maybe perspective mm-hmm. that you don't it's interesting because we're we're better with anti-heroes now too right um, almost to a degree that it's got a little eye rolly and a little okay you know not everybody needs to be an anti-hero <laughs> right but i think we are forced to be better with moral ambiguity and especially in the 80s and and going into the 90s early 90s mid 90s things were far more good versus evil right. black versus black white. And white shades of gray weren't yeah shades of gray weren't really on it, what people were interested in, in in television and that i mean that goes all the way back to think of the old racist cowboy and quote indian movies you know it was good guys bad guys there was no gray there was no conversation about why this indigenous tribe might be fighting you right. <laughs> might it be something about your actions it was just they are evil right quote, again, to be clear, not my language, savages that are coming after us with nuance. Nuance is what was lacking. That's the word I've been trying to (laughs) go figure, talk my way into. That this, 
Not that I expect a ton of nuance from the Babysitter's Club series, but Fair. <laughs> this plot line in particular, I feel like would have really benefited from from that level of nuance where Logan wasn't just a total shithead. Right. And then at the same time, I feel like I'm responding to the Logan that we that we've discussed we thought existed that never actually did mm-hmm. versus this actually feels reading it in sequence now and it, it and and that close together and remembering everything now it just feels like yeah mm-hmm. of course this is how he's going to act this is inevitable uh, uh outcome i guess i don't know if that makes sense but yeah it would have felt wrong if he had randomly become better (laughs) right yeah it's been pretty consistent in the times that we have seen him that this just felt like a continuation of that story for sure yeah where it made it might have made the story better and the message better it we would have then been bitching about how we're like who is this right and why have we not seen him the whole time and like and like she should have dumped him 10 books ago because he fucking sucks not because of like whatever new nuanced position it is so exactly i'm very very well of my heart to please status. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess we've obviously had our feelings about <laughs> Logan and Marianne, much better feelings about Marianne than we thought we were going to get after we, even after we read the book. I think, like you said, this conversation has definitely brought me back around to being a little bit more positive. So I'm glad, glad we had this conversation because otherwise I would still be like, ugh, this book, whatever. Honestly, one of the best parts of this podcast is being able to do that. Like as silly as it is when you like actually sit and describe it, that we are deeply analyzing the Baby <laughs> right. Series Club series. I love being able to have these conversations because it has, it has happened in both directions many times mm-hmm. at this point that we, our conversation has changed how we view and understand the book. And I, that's, Okay. Sorry, now I'm getting nuanced, but like that's what I love about all of this. Mm-hmm. So anyway. Exactly. Sorry. So I guess maybe some random thoughts. I think I have like two. And then we can do some fashion and some predictions. Oh, yeah. We need, definitely need to talk about fashion because this is the most fashion we've had in a while. And there's one description of a Mary Ann outfit where I yelled out loud and not in a good way. <laughs> but the biggest thing that stood out for me is that the foreshadowing for Stacy continued. And now they explicitly called it out as, quote, brittle diabetes. That was not a phrase I had ever heard before. Same. That was one of my random thoughts. And I, despite my Googling of have a think about, have another think coming from our last episode, I did not Google this one. So I don't know what brittle diabetic is, but I was like, that I don't, I don't know what that is, but I've never heard that in a Babysitter's Club book or elsewhere. So I wasn't clear if that was just, like, one of their words that, they, like, oh. they just used brittle as, a, like, like, that's where I went. So I did Google it because I was like, is this, like, distant? She has distant diabetes, although distant is cool, right? Yeah, Wait, distant, distant is cool because it's, like, far out. Distant. Oh, why have I never made that connection? I have literally been like, why is something far away good? Oh, far out. Far out. Jesus Christ. We also got a Lord. new word before we talk about brittle. We got yeah. acute. A-C-U-T-E. Acute. Yeah. acute is also cool or good. I, I So I, before we get back into the brittle thing, I, I would just say that one of my random thoughts was, what do we think? Are we – are they – Trying to make up these words as a secret language, as like a in, in, as an in-group thing, or are they trying to make fetch happen? Because I genuinely can't decide. I think that it's just – I don't think they're trying to make fetch happen. I think that they're trying to act like groups of friends have their own lingo, and this is what the Babysitter's Club lingo has. You know, like to show them as like an in-group, a you know, a solid, cohesive group of friends – 
they have their words. And I, I mean, maybe they thought fetch was going to happen, but I, I take away more that it's just, this is a thing that friends do, especially like, well, not even necessarily groups of like teenage girls, like groups of friends have things that they say, whether it's words that don't mean what they, the, you know, the actual definition is, or, you know, callbacks to, you know, nights out. Like, I know there are various things that you and I say that I was no just one would say. ever know what that's about. You're, you know, you've told me your, your family has started saying some of those phrases that like they've, right. they've heard the story, but like they have no idea what it's about, you know? So I, I think that's my takeaway is like, they're not trying to make fetch happen. They're just trying to say this group of girls uses fetch because they're a group of girls that does their own thing. Okay, good. Because that's the, the that's where I was going with it too. I think for a long time, not for a long time, but for a while there, I was thinking it was they were as war. Ah, I think this is where I got confused because I was thinking it was, they were trying to like create cool new lingo, and it wasn't until when Jesse was talking about the uh, the pig Latin storyline, and then they the up speak or the oop speak or mm-hmm. whatever the fuck that long ass one was that I was like, oh no, I think it might be more like their like inner talk. I think. Where my disconnect happened is I think that maybe the books are trying to make Dibley happen, whereas the girls aren't trying to in their world. If, no, you know I, what I mean, I, yeah, that, that, that's what I thought you were asking that the books were oh. trying to make the fetch happen. Oh, I was thinking were the girls trying to make fetch happen like in Stony Brook? Oh, no, uh, or no, so I, so I disagree. I think that to a degree they wanted. They that was in in group speak for the girls, but they wanted like us to adopt it and it become like a thing that people said that and and then they could point to like kind of like um when why is this the first thing that popped in my brain? But when everybody was like, yeah, baby, from Austin Powers, Mm -hmm. like they I think that they were or my take was that they were kind of trying to make that happen. But who knows? Again, we'll add it to our list of questions for Anne when we. (laughs) finally track her down but before we forget so i did look up brittle and it is actually i don't know i didn't go too in depth so i don't know if it's still used often or not Mm -hmm. but it is actually a medical signifier it refers to type 3 diabetes which is considered hard to manage so we're getting more context i think this is interesting that they just sort of drop this in in a marianne book i would have thought that that maybe had been would be like Part of the conversation in Stacy's emergency, mm-hmm. like, oh, you're not actually a type one or type two. I cannot remember which one you're born with and which type one, one. type one or type, type one. Okay. You're not actually type one. It turns out you're a type three. These issues are because you're a type three and it, you have this hard to manage diabetes, you know, m- more mm-hmm. of an emphasis. So I, I thought it was strange that they just dropped it in, especially because the word brittle does feel so much like acute mm-hmm. and distant and, and like, like what could be one of their slang terms. So. Just wanted to throw that out yeah. there. It is a real thing. It is a medical diagnosis. We are still we're chugging man, away talk, towards it. <laughs> God, for like th- this has been going on for ages now. It's it's fascinating. I I don't remember that at all. As a kid. no, I don't either. I've been I've been surprised every time in every book that it happens. Yeah. So anyway, that was my big. Um, I, I mean, there were lots of little things, but nothing. Yeah. Claudia sitting on a, like throwing a blanket over a melted candy bar and just sitting there and, and then Marianne being like, sure, I'll sit there too. Like at the beginning of the, uh, that was, I, uh, I thought she, she took it off bar. the bed because it had melted on. <laughs> well, it melted onto the bed and she took the candy bar away and threw it away, but there's still like melted candy bar on the bed. And she just like throws a blanket over it and it's like, it's fine. Like she doesn't change the bedding or anything. Well, they have to have their babysitter's club meeting. Christy would never stand for that. <laughs> <laughs> 
I stand corrected. I take it back. Christy Thomas would, in fact, never allow a holdup for that. For that exactly. You're correct. The, the phone's going to start ringing at 530. You don't have time to, to strip a bet. <laughs> yeah. I'm good. Okay. But, so yeah. fashion. So you said that there's a lot of fashion. There's really more a lot of fashion adjacent descriptions. Like that's the, fair. Because I have, I have, what is, uh, I probably have like, nine things, 10 things that are listed, but like most of them are like, oh, I was wearing jeans, you know, it, or like Stacey usually likes to have glitter nail polish and she perms her hair. It's not like fashion so much, but, but there are two that I thought were good ones to describe. And they're from chapter three. And I, one of them is that Marianne outfit that I know you are dying to hear about. So Marianne first describes Claudia and then she describes herself. So Claudia and we get acute multiple times throughout these descriptions. <laughs> Claudia flopped onto her bed and leaned against the wall. She was looking especially acute that day. Acute means cool. My friends and I make up words all the time, and only we know what they mean. Distant and dimble also mean cool. Claude was wearing an oversized raspberry-colored shirt, a short black skirt, and black leggings. The layered look. On her feet were black cowboy boots, and dangling from an ear cuff was a huge collection of beads and stones. Claude does have pierced ears, but the holes were empty. Then Marianne about herself. Compared to Claudia, I looked like a complete nerd, even though I was wearing one of my better outfits. Blueprint pants that were wide at the top, but narrowed to cuffs at the angles. <laughs> oh, my God. I, like, read what it and I had forgotten. wide at the top? <laughs> that sentence has haunted my dreams for the last week and a half. Wide at the top. Uh, okay, but then also, oh, and a short crop t-shirts with the sleeves rolled up and this acute picture of a cactus wearing a cowboy boot. A cactus wearing a cowboy boot. Also, a cropped shirt, which sounds like it's not like a fitted crop shirt. It fe- feels like it's like a boxy crop top with with these wide at the top pants. Like, I, I just, then, I Peg, can't. I can't even. I can't. I, I I mean, I understand that they're children and don't have, like, curves yet, but still, like, wide and no pant, no pant should ever, ever, ever be described as wide, wide at, the, at top. the top. That sentence, that that phrase will haunt the rest of my days. Whatever that means, I, I don't ever want to see it in real life. I literally, I've been honestly working on my own wardrobe lately. It's been, I realized, speaking of time having no meaning, that it's been a really long time since I've given a shit, and I'm trying to do that again. And so I've been shopping and trying to uh, revamp some things. And sitting in a dressing room the other day, and I tried in some pants, and I was like, wide at the top, wide at the top. (laughs) And just, I had a, like, they they weren't, but I just had a, I had a, like, Vietnam like style sense flashback. memory. Yep. Yes. To to oh God, oh God, why? Ugh. Before we we wrap up completely, I just want to uh, point out we did mention that it was Valentine's Day. So for timeline purposes, mm. we'll see how many more Valentine's days we get. But I did. It was funny because at the beginning, I literally wrote down, "Aha, still unspecified winter." I see you timeline, and then. Like two chapters later, it was like, and Valentine's Day, and I was like, well, there it goes. Less unspecified. Anyway, that that wraps it up. For okay, me. so wide at the fucking top. <laughs> I know it, it's gonna haunt. It's like Taz tucking for me. You're just it's it's just gonna <laughs> pop into your head, and you're wanna you're just you, your brain's just gonna short circuit. Welcome to the party, yep. pal. <laughs> <laughs> That's our uh, fetch is movie quotes. We do do that. <laughs> that is very true. So our next book. Is Jesse and the 
Dance School Phantoms. Speaking of phantoms, I think I might have read this one, but I don't know. <laughs> That's like so not helpful. I am positive that I read this one. I, in fact, the the cover immediately sprang into my mind when I saw the title, and I in fact went back to like look at because is oh, it I don't usually look before can I guess because I I that's this is why I think I read this book is it Jessie sitting on a bench wearing her leotard and skirt like it's pink and she's like tying up her shoe yep that's okay exactly the then one. I must have read this one because I like I said th- that picture is vivid in my mind but I I guess so I get my here's my prediction I think that things start happening at her school and I feel like it's, again, going to be some terrible girls that are pieces of shit towards Jesse because either she's too good and or because she's black. I think we're going to get another one of those kinds of stories from Jesse. I think you're right. And I just to clarify, she is sitting on the bench. She's not lacing her shoes. It's she's there's a letter. Oh, OK. Gone. Or something. They're looking at a piece okay. of paper. That, it is, it's not. Yeah, it's not tying shoes. It's looking at something. Yes, that makes but, sense. But I. I could th- – that was exactly I, – I was thinking sort of the same thing as you. Now I'm wondering if maybe there are a bunch of Jesse books. Right. Then I'll just like have that, her but, sitting on a bench at the ballet school. But I I vivid, I knew immediately that I was like, oh, this is the one where she's on the bench. But I'm, I've am i been racking my brain to try to remember what the actual plot was. And I – if I'm not mistaken, it's about I, – I keep going back and forth because it's either that – she they're auditioning for Cocopalia or she is cast as is that is it's Copalia. And yeah, Copalia. that is this book, because I did read that one. Yeah, she gets okay. cast and then things start happening during, while they're rehearsing. To get her, to, right, to get her to quit because cause she yeah, she's Copalia. Yes. Okay. I don't know what Coke uh Cocopelli is the like god of mischief like the the southwestern god of mischief. He was in some magazine that I liked. I don't remember why or how or but whatever. I was really into Cocopelli for a hot minute there. <laughs> it about this time. So I think I, I, I put those together. Yeah. But yeah, I do remember this one. It is it's not about well, I'm sure race was not not a factor. Right. Well, well, I'm sure we'll talk about that. But yes, it was, she got this role, this other, uh, over this other girl who felt like she deserved it. I actually think it's the old girl's older, if I'm not mistaken. I think that was the conflict, that the other girl was older, had been doing ballet longer, but Jessie's more naturally talented. Right. That makes, so that's she, ringing some bells. I think you're right. And so she wanted Jessie to give up the role so that she could, and she knew she was an understudy or something yeah. like that. And so if, if Jessie backed out, she would. And so there's like threatening letters and like, okay, I don't think that there's a falling sandbag because that would literally kill someone. But uh, then again, they stranded them on a desert island. So let's call it a falling sandbag. <laughs> but I I don't even have like a fun over the top prediction because I do remember yeah. this one as a, as, as a plot point because it tickled my un, my sense of justice. I was like, nah, she's better. <laughs> yeah. She's the best dancer. You have to let her be exactly. Capelia. No, that one as soon as you said Capelia, I was like, "Yep, I did read this one. I know I read this one." <laughs> yep. Okay. Now I'm looking forward to that. I one, know I'm excited. As a palate cleanser. Yeah, I think this, post, I'm post Logan. I'm hopeful that that will be a, an entertaining one, and we'll probably have lots of fun talking about it. That's my prediction. We're going to yeah. have a great time talking about the next book. <laughs> I love that. And and I will go the other way, as I am wont to do, and I will predict that we go into it very excited, and then we spend the whole episode going like, oh my god, we thought right. this was so great. Expectations then, are too high. Or that it turns out that the race stuff is handled so poorly that we can't enjoy the rest of it. That, so, um, that's that'll, happened that'll be before. 
<laughs> right. Certainly is it's not an unlikely prediction or an unlikely reality that could come to pass since we've seen it happen in the past. Okay. Well, I guess, is there any other final club business? Other than reminding people where to find us, I am tapped out and frankly over Logan. Fair. Same. And if you feel the same, you can uh, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Generation BSE. Um, also, feel free to DM us or comment on things. Um, we'd love to hear from you. And if you have a whole, you know, laundry list or you know, diatribe about Logan or anything else, you can also email us. Say, or even better, a defensive Logan. Oh yes, I, I would love. The, I, I want to hear if the Logan defenders. Yes. actually, no, I don't. I lied. I take it back. Keep that. To I would yourself. be interested. To hear how you have come, maybe they read all the books and he comes back around and is amazing by the end. And that's why everyone loves Logan. If that's the case, please let us know. But don't give us too many specifics because we don't want our our future predictions to be (laughs) torn asunder. But if you have a lot of thoughts that you can't contain in a tweet or an Instagram comment, um, you can also email us at generationbsc at gmail.com. So with that, I'm Kate Vlasic. And I'm Lauren Hunter. And this episode of Generation BSC is now adjourned. Say hello to your friends.